Hey everybody, it's Kevin Stevenson and you're with, I don't care with me, Kevin Stevenson. So uh, glad that you could join us today. I'm really excited about the, the guest that we have today. It's Alex Bouliar, who is the CEO of CRI Genetics. Uh, Alex, welcome to I Don't Care. Thank you, Kevin. Glad to be here. Yeah, you know, as we were saying, I'm really interested in, in, in our, our discussion today. I'm a bit of an amateur genealogist, and I know that's just a small part of what you guys do. But so, so tell my audience a little bit about CRI Genetics. What do you guys do? Okay, uh, sure. So we started out as a uh, ancestry-focused company based in genetics and genealogy. Um, and um, as we started building up uh, our databases uh, of customers' genetics and individuals, we started building out other products. Uh, the biggest goal was always what can we offer as value and continuously increase the value to the customers. And uh, we started out building health-oriented directions and reports everything from uh, weight loss specific uh, by genetics to allergies and now getting into uh, more clinical approaches uh, in cardiology and pharmacogenomics. Okay, very good. So let's start, let's talk about kind of that basic ancestry focus that, you know, millions of people have gotten involved with, uh, you know, with some of the other companies that will remain nameless. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, I've done a DNA test just to see, you know, what's my background look like? What's the migration pattern from, uh, from Europe? And so that was really interesting. But uh, I was reading on your website that your technology is a bit different. You provide a little bit, you know, a lot more information. Talk a little bit about that. Sure. As I get into this, do you mind sharing what was a surprise to you in your genealogy? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. And I will tell you, the biggest surprise I had was growing up and I'm here in Texas. And, you know, I had always heard from my grandmother, oh, you're whatever percentage Native American. And I'm like, you know, this is great. She gave me some, some names of some very famous uh, uh, Native American warriors. I thought, oh, the, how cool is that? You know, I, I'm related to Quanta Parker. Well, whenever I got my DNA back, there was all of 0% Native American. So either my grandmother was lying to me or my DNA is lying to me. I don't know what, I, I, you tell me. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Did you get any specific surprises that were not uh, missing information, but additional information that you received? You know, not really. Uh, you know, I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty white bread. You know, we were all from, from England, uh, you know, Germany. Uh, I guess one of the, one of the interesting uh, uh, ones was I had uh, a little Finnish blood in me. I had mm. no idea of that, but, but that was really, you know, I think it was just what was lacking was the biggest surprise. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. That's definitely an interesting uh, um answer. Well, you know, genetics and genealogy in general, uh, there is uh, a few misconceptions around it. I think one of the biggest misconceptions is somebody being 100% something. So getting a result and expecting to be 100% Jewish or 100% British, 100% German, sure. uh, or 50-50. I mean, you can get 50-50, but the challenge with that is uh, over years, uh, and we're talking about hundreds, multiple hundreds and thousands, you know, we didn't always have borders of what mm -hmm. Germany is Germany and Britain and uh, Italy. Uh, so nobody really stuck to, hey, we're going to be here and we're going to be intermarrying here. And, you know, if you're German and I'm Italian, it's a no-go. 
And that never happened. In fact, I think it was encouraged, you know. Uh, so what happened is uh, a lot of genes got mixed up. And uh, uh, if you start looking back, um, what you will see is uh, uh, a lot of cultures are very similar uh, genetically mm -hmm. around uh, Europe, of course. The closest borders, French, Germany, uh, Italy. Sure. And uh, um, a lot of customers receive feedback that, you know, they're not 100% Italian, but they have some French and German. And sometimes people are confused and, and uh, they're, you know, even upset by the results uh, because um, there is that little misconception. Um, so um, that's one aspect. The other aspect of uh, being told that, let's say you have a particular ancestry um, and let's say native ancestry and not getting uh, that uh, a percentage reflected in your reports uh, is also possible. There are reasons for it. One is uh, I believe Native Americans have many different tribes. Mm -hmm. And unless you have, as a company, went out and uh, uh, received uh, genetics from these tribes and approval to be able to analyze somebody and build up your programs based off of that, um, the companies will not have this kind of data. Mm -hmm. And Native American tribes have usually been very, um, apprehensive and a little bit against uh, the idea of giving up their data and being right. utilized in such a way for a few reasons. Uh, one of them was, um, and in my understanding, is that they wouldn't want to have somebody come in and, and pretty much state that, you know, you're not really Americans, you came from Europe. That's a crazy thought, you know, regardless if it was tens of thousands of years ago uh, with the idea of Pangea. Pangea is when we had uh, one continent essentially, mm -hmm. and you know things broke up. So um, that's one of the reasons you might not have data. Uh, um, another reason is that um, Native Americans, it, it, it's also tribal, right? So regardless of you having genetics or not, uh, I think you have to have certain lineage of family part of the tribe to be accepted. Right. So even if you were to show up with genetics and go, you know, here's my stamp, I, I want to be able to fish everywhere and start my casino, that that that's not going to happen yeah. um so there is a that is a um a reasonable limit uh to genetic companies being able to provide that information mm -hmm. however there is some data uh from um skeletons that have been dug up and uh, archaeological finds and certain tribes that have uh, contributed uh, their genetics uh we're actually working on uh adding twenty thousand genes into our uh, system that will help identify uh, Native Americans uh, and your genetic makeup uh, uh, in relation to them, uh, most likely towards the end of this year. However, you know, even if you find out you have some, it doesn't mean that you get to join the tribe and, you know. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So uh, I, I think that was one of the limitations that uh, could lead to you not getting, you know, a Native American uh, uh, result in your DNA. Okay. Well, and, and I spoke with one of my uh, one of my distant cousins who uh, on my father's side, uh, and she said the same thing uh, that she was incredibly surprised that nothing came back because she'd heard the same stories that I had heard growing up. So, but I was, as I said, I was looking at your website and I saw something that was was actually you know incredible. You know that you could go back you know thousands of of years. Talk a little bit about that uh, about what you're doing around that. Yeah, that, that, that's a great uh, point. So uh, one of the ways we can go uh, fairly far back, you know, 10,000 years, which is a crazy concept because, you know, we, we have 2021 and how do you go back? But um, it's something called maternal and paternal DNA. Um, basically, maternal DNA is uh, mitochondrial mm -hmm. uh, DNA that's part of your cells. It's only passed down from mother 
uh, uh, to both children through the mitochondria. And it's, it's quite an interesting concept. Mitochondria is not uh, part of human DNA. It's actually a symbiotic uh, cell that mm-hmm. I guess, if we go through evolution, you know, millions of years, became part of our uh, cellular system and provide us with energy. And uh, um, the way that it is passed down uh, uh, genetically through reproduction is it's part of the egg and it, and it just maintains from the egg to both children, so to the son and to mm. the daughter. So you can actually uh, uh, take this DNA and uh, uh, apply, um, you can review reference genomes that have been dug up over different populations and see uh, which mitochondrial uh, genetics match up closer mm-hmm. between different populations. And you can actually see migration patterns. The reason you can do this is because the DNA has uh, uh, mutated very slowly. Normally when you have kids, uh, your parents' genes within you, uh, they kind of mix match automatically. Mm-hmm. And then they turn to gametes and you have kids and your kids are, you know, they kind of look like you. and. Uh, <laughs> They are 50%. We uh, hope they look like you, yeah. Well, yeah. But the idea is that um, your genes are always crossing each, each other from both parents, mm-hmm. yeah, your kids' kids and so forth. Um, not mitochondrial and not paternal DNA. It mm-hmm. remains the same. And the only things that do change in it is natural mutations that are usually fairly slow compared to uh, what I just described in, in general reproductive, you know. Uh, uh, gene switching, which happens every single generation. Mm-hmm. So you can actually track back a particular gene and how close it is uh, uh, to any new mutations. So you can go back very, very far and you can track that for your maternal line. And for men, you can also track it through paternal. So the Y chromosome, essentially what makes you a man and you know, makes you mm-hmm. develop into a you know, biological genetic male, um, it is only passed on from men from a father to a son. So you can go back very far and it, it follows the same kind of physics of um, slow mutations. Hmm. So in this sense, uh, by referencing uh, archeological uh, digs, referencing any population analysis, uh, you can go back very, very far um, and track uh, uh, essentially how your particular uh, haplogroup has traveled throughout the world through the mutations that you have acquired in yours now. So that's one approach that can go very, you know, back tens of thousands of years. Mm-hmm. That's that's just fascinating. So okay, let let's let's go back with more health healthcare related uh, topic. Now that we've uh, we've chased uh, chased this rabbit on a topic I really enjoy. Uh, tell, talk to us about you know what you do around uh, genetic testing and and health. And, you know, I see, I'm looking at your website, you've got lots of different areas, and let's talk about all of them. But first, I see health, you know, you're talking about caffeine consumption, alcohol flush. What, what is that? What is that entailing? Why, why do I care about that? That's a very good question. So the, the more reports you start building out, the more, you know, hundreds of reports that you can have as a company, uh, the question becomes, how do you apply this to your life? And why is it important? You know, mm-hmm. alcohol flush, for example, is something that you, most people probably know because they've had a beer or two yeah. and they turned, uh, you know, <laughs> the right age. Um, you know, your earlobes, if they're detached, they're not. But then there's some interesting things that uh, I'll give you an example from my personal life. Um, Caffeine consumption. Uh, so there's caffeine consumption is one of the reports. Uh, there is uh, caffeine anxiety as well as uh, caffeine metabolism. And uh, um, when I got my own DNA ran and received the reports, I realized that my metabolism of caffeine is pretty slow. Uh, 
and that my anxiety and caffeine is high. Oh. So uh, the consumption suggestion was to have, you know, no more than two cups uh, per day and uh, not to drink coffee past 2 p.m. Mm -hmm. And uh, why? Well, um, if you've ever drank too much coffee and you got and you you became very wired, uh, that's what happens, <laughs> right? So you get the shakes. You also your mind starts traveling multiple places at the same time, and um, uh, so that that's that's essentially the symptom of. Uh, um, high anxiety and caffeine. Now, if you have slow metabolism, that means that you're going to have uh, this caffeine going through your blood uh, uh, and in your body for uh, a while. So mm -hmm. you're kind of really anxious and, and your mind's going places for a long time. Um, if you curb down your caffeine, uh, you can be more clear-minded. Um, you don't have the, 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 the wires going everywhere. Um, and you can also sleep better. So knowing that you don't drink it after 2 p.m., you have better nights. So you okay. have clearer days, you have better rest. So that's one simple thing. And, you know, uh, throughout my life, personally, I've been going through, you know, drinking a lot of coffee through school, through work, and it's nonstop. And, um, you know, I, I never put my finger on it, uh, but I could definitely tell that, you know, a lot of the times towards the evening, I'm wired, it's hard to sleep. When I applied this, uh, I could get the benefits right away. I was able to sleep better. I was able to uh, uh, think clearer throughout the day, um, you know, be more optimized that way. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's one example. Another example is uh, your you know, sleep style. Some people are very light sleepers, you know, I am. What that means is that, you know, any little noises will wake you up and it's gonna take you a while to get back to sleep. So when you have REM sleep, you kind of regenerate, you you get real rest mm -hmm. and uh, you get your energy for the day. Uh, if you don't get that by getting continuous disruptions, you know, your, your days are tougher. Uh, right. You need to drink more coffee. Uh, you're less clear, and then the cycle so, starts again. <laughs> exactly, it's 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 a it's a self-propagating, never-ending cycle. But yeah. I started sleeping with earplugs on, and uh, uh, this has helped a lot. You know, I started noticing I'm getting much better sleep, uh, not nights, uh, uh, waking up much more rested, um, and having again better, you know, more focused days. So these are some little things. Um, you know, you wouldn't think that they're so powerful and impactful. But when you start to feel it throughout the day and actually feel the results, uh, it makes a difference. Uh, we can also talk about more, much deeper, uh, more impactful uh, aspects that we're working on. Mm -hmm. We started doing our own internal uh, kind of R&D and uh, uh, figuring out how can we apply this information uh, for doctors, you know, to create a tool for them to be able to apply to their patients and get results. Mm -hmm. um, I read a few books, especially one by Eric Topol. Uh, he, he is a big proponent of artificial intelligence. He's a cardiologist, mm -hmm. um, as well as genetics and applying it to, to, to his patients. Um, so one of the things we can now do with genetics is understand and kind of get the blueprint for a individual and their ability to metabolize, metabolize medication, mm. um, how they react to certain things, as well as some predictive, you know, I would say pre-diagnosis of going, well, we're not sure what, what's happening with the patient. The patient's not feeling good. We're going to be doing a bunch of tests, but a genetic test can kind of give you a very quick overview of some of the top things uh, from genes that could be affecting the patient, um, thereby giving a doctor a very powerful tool uh, in order to be able to get a result for the patient faster. Um, this has already been applied in, in uh, uh, psychiatric medications. Mm -hmm. It's getting applied in pain management. Um, but one of the big fields that it hasn't yet been applied to is cardiology. And this is something that we're starting to focus on. I'll give you an example of you know, pre-diagnosis, for example. Um, FH is uh, uh, 
familial hypercholesteremia. Essentially, it's when a person has naturally high cholesterol mm -hmm. uh, in, in their blood and they naturally build it up. They look healthy, they look fit, yeah. but, you know, they have it. And most people find out that they have this uh, and they have this gene uh, after their first heart attack, which is mind blowing because you could take a simple DNA test and go, okay, you know, I think we have this gene here. Mm -hmm. A doctor could verify it through a clinical test, you know, as a secondary precaution, and then they can put them on statins. And statins are very uh, simple. Uh, 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 I live on them. <laughs> a lot of people. So they're very preventative. They don't affect you uh, in a very uh, drastic way, but they can prevent heart attacks. And knowing to do this is a big deal. Because most doctors wouldn't see this. You wouldn't test somebody that looks healthy and feels yeah. good for this. So this is just one example. Um, another good example is uh, general medication that is prescribed uh, by cardiologists to treat certain conditions, you know, including warfarin. Um, and, um, you know, if you know that your patient is a slow metabolizer, they might actually start to have a much higher dosage of the standard prescribed medication than they should, and it builds up. So if the medication has a drastic effect on the body, it could lead to a serious issue or vice versa. You know, if they're a fast metabolizer and they're on anticoagulants after, you know, a heart uh, yeah. uh, surgery, um, there may have, you know, four to six hours out of the day where they're walking around with no medication in their body, you know, uh, making them susceptible to clots and things like that. So um, genetics can be a great tool to kind of shine a light of, hey, this is something that needs to be reviewed by a doctor so they can make a more intelligent decision and ensure mm -hmm. results for their patient. So this is the direction that we are really excited to head in. And I think that is you know, potentially the biggest future of genetics in general. Yeah, that, that's just fascinating. Okay, so the next section in your website talks about allergies. And, you know, hey, again, living in Texas, you know, I, I went through extensive allergy testing as a child. My wife has, one of my daughters has. And, and so they find out all about that. But you know what? Allergy tests really hurt. I'm, I'm just going to say, you know, they are breaking you with everything. So how close uh, to those kinds of results is your genetic testing for like mold and gluten and peanut and grass allergies that you list here? That's a great question. So allergies are, are a, a very complex mm -hmm. uh, aspect. Um, you know, one of the best tests is getting a, uh, a prick test where mm -hmm. it will take an allergen and it'll do this, this, this prick on your, inside your skin. Uh, I have done this before and they do 40 to 60 little pricks and yeah. you see the reactions you have. And uh, it is definitely unpleasant. I had it done as a kid and um, it is still one of the most effective mm -hmm. ways to do it. However, uh, with genetics, you could see what you have predispositions to. Um, the thing about genetics and doing allergy tests is that it can shine a light on things that have been aggravated and uh, if aggravated will result in allergy. Okay. Where it has limitations though, is um, for example, a peanut allergy. You might have a predisposition to it, but if you, let's say, didn't overconsume consume mm -hmm. uh, peanuts as a kid or uh, the opposite, you, you, you didn't underconsume. consume, you, you've uh, never had access to them and all of a sudden you take them as an adult, um, genetics is, is kind of tricky like that. You may have a predisposition, but unless aggravated by the environment, it might not be expressed. Mm -hmm. So uh, the allergy test can shine a lot of light into the potential things that are uh, uh, that will cause allergies uh, in an individual. Um, and you know, somebody can take a further uh, uh, analysis to confirm it, 
or it can actually help them identify uh, an allergen that they can avoid. Uh, but it is not as definitive as uh, the ultimate, you know, skin prick test. Sure. Okay. Well, and, and you know, that's something that's good to know because I've had friends as adults, you know, uh, become very allergic to peanuts or whatever. And as you said, you know, they grew up, uh, you know, all their lives up to that point, you, you know, eating peanut butter or whatever, they were perfectly fine. And one incident set them off. So that's really, that's really interesting. Okay, the next one, very interested in this because I, I kind of admit I like to eat a little bit, Alex, you know, and, and when I saw on your website in, in the, uh, in your, your testing profile, you, you can give me a, a personalized weight loss uh, uh, plan. That's, I, I like this. So let's talk about nutrition. Sounds good, Kevin. Yeah, that, that's a, that's a very interesting test in general. Um, it was one of our uh, second uh, biggest uh, developments. Mm -hmm. um, so in general, yeah, people have um, had different nutritions uh, uh, growing up and, and living in particular areas. Uh, one of the greatest examples is Italians. Mm -hmm. uh, Italians uh, uh, have pasta and bread as, as one of the biggest, I guess, uh, um, food groups um, within their culture. And uh, um, most Italians are, are fairly fit and fairly healthy mm -hmm. um, versus, let's say, Eskimos, and that's a very drastic example, but Eskimos. <laughs> yeah, really. uh, Eskimos, there you go, okay. But this is an important thing, you know. Um, so the Eskimos have, have been uh, um, proliferating um, away from bread. Not many crops because it's, mm -hmm. it's frozen ground, you can't grow things. They would catch uh, most of their animals and uh, uh, most of the food would be essentially what they could catch, whether it's blubber, whether it's, you know, dried meats and very little grain. So uh, over, over many, many years, uh, their bodies and digestive systems have, you know, evolved and adjusted to what they have been eating. So they're very comfortable eating uh, uh, fats and meats, mm -hmm. uh, but the second you introduce carbs, uh, they have a bad reaction to it. They blow up. Their bodies start to absorb it and, and mm -hmm. store it in fat because uh, it's very new to them. It's a, a, a very different uh, uh, metabolic pathway versus Italians. If you start giving them a lot of meat and fat, uh, maybe the meat will be okay, but the blubber uh, will lead to the exact same thing with the sure. Eskimos. And the question becomes, uh, which genes did you get, right? Um, this is a, uh, not a perfect example. It's a very stark example that can make mm -hmm. uh, a good point where, um, unless you know the type of genes that you've gotten, uh, you don't really know the best way to approach weight loss. For example, for myself, um, I can increase my exercise significantly and it will not lead to weight loss. However, uh, if I focus on cutting out certain things like carbs or uh, focusing on calories, I will uh, very quickly and drastically lose weight. Mm -hmm. um, other people, on the other hand, will uh, uh, are able to eat fats and carbs, but the best way for them to lose weight is increase their exercise. And moderate increases in exercise will lead to significant impact in the weight and vice versa. So uh, it really depends on, on the body. And uh, um, this test can really help you kind of point out, hey, this is who you are, this is what will get your results. And you can try it and, and see. Um, personally, I've, I've throughout my life, I've, I've gained weight, I've lost weight. And uh, one of the things I have learned is that um, I naturally exercise a lot and it doesn't do, <laughs> doesn't give me much impact. But the second I start carbing, uh, carbing uh, um, calories and 
uh, eating slightly less, it has a very drastic impact. They're eating certainly different yeah. foods. So um, this is a great way to identify the best thing that will have biggest impact for you mm -hmm. uh, in losing weight. Okay. That, that's really interesting. Okay, the, ne the next one, vitamins, is kind of self-explanatory. You know, if I have a propensity for, you know, vitamin C absorption or whatever, uh, you know, I go get more vitamin C, right? What else around vitamins? What am I missing? So vitamins, um, for example, fish oil. Um, you know, everybody needs fish oil. Yeah. Some need it more than others. Um, if you have a gene that helps you absorb fish oil better, or a gene that actually lacks the ability to absorb fish oil well, it means that A, uh, if you're identifying this, you need to eat more fish oil. Uh, but sometimes there's other tricks to it. If you eat fish oil or for example, vitamin D with um, another vitamin, you will increase the ability to absorb it. But knowing this uh, can help you relieve a deficiency that you, know, you might just not be aware of. You know, deficiency in vitamin C can lead to you know, multiple you know, symptoms and situations, some drastic, some not. Uh, and uh, an individual might not know that this is why they're feeling like this. Yeah. Uh, but if you're able to identify it and you're able to supplement it, all of a sudden you can relieve some of the symptoms or situations uh, that are, you know, just existent because of lack of ability to absorb it. So it is kind of straightforward, uh, but I think that the, the, the why is, is what's important. Yeah, that's really interesting. Okay, the last section, and this one always kind of blows me away. You know, people have their genetic testing done to see if they have red hair. Well, wouldn't you know? I mean, come on, really? But I also see some things around stress reactivity and impulse control. So can you really tell me that I'm this way because of my genetics, Alex? Come on, really? That's 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 a really good question, you know. So some of these things, like you said, are are uh, a straightforward blue eyes, brown eyes, and mm -hmm. you know, actually for a while I thought, why would you want to know this? And um, then I had a daughter, and she had yeah. blue eyes, and I was wondering, are they going to go away? So I looked at the genetics, and it said she's going to have blue eyes, so they're staying, uh -huh. you know, <laughs> which is exciting. But uh, to your topic of uh, much more complex, you know, personality. Uh, uh, related uh, um, genetic analysis. So there is definitely some merit to it. Uh, all the things that we do are based on published research that is uh, uh, published through third parties, whether it's in PubMed or other uh, peer-reviewed uh, journals. And the way that this usually works is they will analyze multiple people, will identify a gene that may have an impact on this, and that is consistent within people that, let's say, have no impulse or have more impulse. Um, and uh, um, what we can do is, is pretty much show you a predisposition. So it's not uh, definitive. Just like allergies, uh, sure. nature and nurture, nurture specifically, has a very big impact on this. You know, if you grow up in a very militaristic family and you're taught um, you know respect and, and honor and you know being focused in your tasks and you might be very impulse driven you're not going to have uh, uh, this as a big part of your life you're, you will not be impulsive because you grew up in a very certain way if you grew up in, in the 70s and uh, uh, you, you you've you've been very into uh, the, the hippie uh, directions oh, you're uh, awesome. uh, <laughs> you might be very impulsive but again it actually might be a positive 
if you're an artist, right? So right. there's definitely merit to it. And the, you know, uh, reports like the, like this are more predispositions and opportunities or, or directions you may have within you, but they're definitely not definitive of who you can be based on the choices that you make. Okay. All right, Alex. I've been, we've been talking about your website some because it's been right in front of me. And, and audience, it's crigenetics.com. I'm giving you the plug there. Um, okay, so Alex, here's what I want to do. I'm going to order your Ancestry Plus Health test, okay? I want us to come back in eight to 10 weeks whenever I get my results back. You, I'm going to have you on, and we're going to go down my results, Okay. Sounds good. Yeah, I might get I might get a few people from my science team because I always See, reflect on the people that are smarter than me. That would be great because you know I'm looking at you know everything that we've talked about is just fascinating, particularly the health aspect. But I also you know selfishly want to see how it parallels to other uh, DNA tests that I've done from a from a, uh, uh, a, a genetic standpoint from uh, you know uh, ancestry. So. Let's do that. How's Sounds that? Good. Sound? Let's do it. So before we end here, any final words? Well, uh, I think getting tested is, is, is really the future. Mm -hmm. And I think everybody should get tested in general just to know more about themselves, uh, identify their predispositions, as well as cool things like what are their superpowers? What are they good at? Yeah. Uh, so really discovering more about yourself. You know, we were born into this world, you know, like fancy Ferraris. Uh, and the DNA test is essentially, you know, the, 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 the guide to our bodies. And um, mm -hmm. I think it's an exciting thing for everybody to get tested to learn more about themselves. Yeah, I do too. So we'll be talking again about probably 10 to 12 weeks. So just plan on that. We'll get that set up. So Alex Mulyar, CEO of CRI Genetics. It's been great talking to you today. Really fascinating stuff. I can't wait to be analyzed by you and your and your scientific team soon so with that audience you know it, it's been another great day here on i don't care with kevin stevenson you know how to find us we're on marketscale.com uh just go there the shows drop on friday if you miss our live shows go to uh spotify and itunes and i'll end it like i always do if you haven't subscribed to i don't care with kevin stevenson why haven't you with that we'll talk again next week take care